This talk is offered by Ordinary Minds Zen teacher Andrew Tutel. Andrew is an Australian Dharma heir of Barry Majid and is dedicated to extending Barry's vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Find out more at ordinarymind.com.au. Andrew's Zen teachings are made possible by donations from people like you. So the topic of today's talk on the 10th of April, 2022, is peace and happiness. It's a continuation from the guided meditation I gave this morning, but it also stands alone. I'll just start with a John Lennon quote, which perhaps many of you might know. When I was five years old, my mother always told me that happiness was the key to life. When I went to school, they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wrote down happy. They told me I didn't understand the assignment. I told them they didn't understand life. You're all also familiar with the, uh, the Four Noble Truths of Buddhism. There is suffering, it has a cause, there is the possibility of ending suffering, and there is a path towards the ending of suffering. But I, like the, uh, the Dalai Lama, like to uh, rephrase those more in the affirmative. So restated in the affirmative could be something like, there is happiness, it is our true nature, it may be recognized and lived, and there is a simple and direct path to recognizing and living it. So this morning when I was talking about um, how the self-centered dream that we speak of in our practice principles is basically the activity of seeking and resisting being this moment. The self-centered self is the activity of suffering, psychological suffering. And so our practice is to free ourselves from this self-centered dream by seeing clearly that it's an illusion. We don't have to get rid of it, we just have to see through it and not get caught up into it as much as we normally do. So when we see through the dream, we see our true nature. Our true nature is peace and happiness. It's not something that has a cause. It's, it's, it's something which we actually are when the obscurations and confusions brought about by the, the self-centered dream disappear and evaporate, leaving only this moment, seeing clearly that we are being just this moment, that we are the awareness that's being just this moment. Awareness itself can only ever be just this moment, whereas the, the self-centered dream or our ego, our separate self is always dwelling in thoughts of past or future. 
So our practice is all about happiness, peace, and, and bringing that to the world, which is uh, very much in need of peace and happiness all the time. However, our, our normal understanding of happiness is basically uh, conditioned by the culture that we've grown, grown up in. And uh, our normal understanding of happiness is, is that something that comes and goes, that is, is dependent upon conditions. So we experience happiness often when uh, we achieve what we desire to achieve or we achieve a desired object that we wanted to achieve. And right from childhood, right on to adulthood, those particular achievements and objects vary. As a, as a child, it might be a new cricket bat. And as an adult, it might be a, a new house or a new car or a new partner. But we seek happiness in the uh, in objective experience, in the objects uh, or situations, uh, what we perceive as being out there in the world. And of course, happiness does arise when we achieve that object or objective. But um, we mistake true happiness for that sort of temporary experience of excitation, which comes and goes and gradually wears off whether we're a child or uh, that gradually gets tired of its new toy or whether we're an adult that uh, buys a new car and worries so much about the car getting scratched that we cease to enjoy it anymore. So um, we have been conditioned and brought up to see happiness in this way. So we continue to seek happiness in substances, in activities, in goals, achievements, in relationships. And this quest is always doomed to failure because we will never achieve a, a sense of lasting peace and happiness uh, in, in the chase of, of external objects. We often get caught up in the, uh, the seeking something in the future the uh, and this is very common so you know we tell ourselves once i get this uh, job i will be happy once i marry my ideal partner i will be happy um so perhaps um you could just give a couple of examples here uh, uh in the room uh, so uh, when i get dot 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 I will be happy. Can you give another example of some common dot, dot, dots that people pursue uh, in the pursuit of happiness? What are some common? More money. More money. Yeah, if I have more money, I will be happy. If I have more happy, I'll be happy. Um, anyone on Zoom would like to contribute your favorite when I get, or if only I had, I will be happy. And also, if this will stop, you know, if that person would That's the stop yeah. doing this, or this would be this obstacle would be removed. Yeah, that's a, that's another alert. Yes, um, if this will stop, or this 
removed, I will be happy. Yeah, very much. Can you give a, an example of that, Branya? Uh, if this neighbour moved away, or if this, you know, yeah, if this, <laughs> if this neighbour moved away, or this difficult person, yeah, the dog stopped. Yeah, exactly. yeah. If it stopped raining. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you we see that the that that movement of, of, of seeking happiness is in fact the movement of the of of suffering. It's the activity of suffering. The more we seek happiness externally, the more we suffer. And um, so, as I was talking about this morning, we, we can define uh, suffering as either seeking or resisting this moment, just as it is. Um, we could just uh, define suffering as this is not it. It has to be something else other than this moment. So the, 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 the self-centered self cannot live in the now, it can only live in the past or the future. Um, in fact, it doesn't uh, exist at all. It's just an illusion, a story, and uh, which we get caught up into. So our practice uh, in Ordinary Mind Zen is about um, shifting our identity uh, from being established in the the character that we play out our self-centered self our, our adaptive self if you like um, the self that we're normally identified with shifting our identity from that particular self which is always continuously has an underlying sense of lack or discontent because it's fragmented. It's not a whole. It can never. It can never be. It can never be complete. It will always be seeking something or resisting something. So our practice is to shift from that to identifying with awareness or being just this moment, as our practice principles speak. So as long as we are identified with the dream the thought, the story, the dissatisfaction and discontent will continue. And its roots lie in the ignorance of our true nature. So caught in the self-centered dreams, only unhappiness. However, in some ways, seeking is inevitable. So I'm not being judgmental about that neither. So at a certain point uh, in life, whether it's a, a midlife crisis or a, a crisis later in life, we realize that the, uh, the, the, the partner or the house or the 10 houses or the car or the PhD or whatever it might be has not brought us lasting peace and happiness. So then we go on our spiritual quest and uh, and we can we can actually turn spirituality in a very similar kind of way. If uh, we you know if only I had the, an enlightenment experience, I'd be happy, or if only I had the uh, a, a, a really authentic, genuine teacher, not Andrew, I'd be happy. Um, and this this continue continue indefinitely. Um, so, but there is a beautiful Sufi quote. Uh, which kind of like, because we do talk in, in Zen Buddhism of, of the way-seeking mind. So in a sense, it's the way-seeking mind is important. 
and going on that search is important. And uh, the Sufi quote is, that for which we long cannot be found by seeking, and yet only seekers find it. I'll just repeat that, it's very nice. That for which we long cannot be found by seeking, and yet only seekers find it. So, the self cannot be found by seeking, it can only be found by recognizing that we are that self, that we are the true nature, the true nature of peace and happiness that we've been seeking is who we are. We are the happiness we've been seeking. And once we discover the, the, the deep peace and happiness that comes from sinking deeper and deeper into awareness, then we're no longer seeking happiness in our relationships or substances or activities. And we gradually shift, make a shift from being centered in the dream to being centered in awareness. In other words, the our default position shifts from being the self-centered self to being awareness. And as our default position becomes awareness, we experience happiness and peace more often, becomes our new default. And we're less likely to get pulled back into the self-centered. We still do, but like um, it's a gradual process. Um, so when our default position moves more towards awareness, um, we still have some ups and downs in life, but we come back to that default position. We don't go back to the default position of the self-centered self and fall into helplessness, hopelessness, and despair. No, we actually recognize and come back to the peace and happiness that we are. So we find ourselves naturally returning to that default position of peace and happiness. So the seeking then falls away and comes to an end and we're more at ease in accepting and surrendering to whatever is arising and appearing in this moment. So the happiness of our true nature in that sense cannot be gained and cannot be lost. So what I would like to do now is um, I will open up for discussion and uh, in order to do that, I will turn the laptop around so we can see each other. And, uh, and I'll move back over here. Andrew, we're, we're looking at the... Um ceiling at the moment. Oh, thank you. It'd be great. If, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. So, um, you know, feel free to raise a question or make a comment, share a story. Or, um, feel free to share about um, your own relationship to peace and happiness, what it means to you.
One thing that I read somewhere, I can't remember where, but about that sort of transient happiness versus genuine, sort of real, true happiness is that anything that's giving you transient happiness, you could have too much of. So with substances or cars or houses or party, anything that kind of is giving you that fleeting sort of, you know, you can chop the coke spray, but if you're in a hole and it's going to not, you know, etc. Um, and and when you touch true happiness, it's something that you could never. You can only go more and more deeply into it. There's no. That's sort of how you can test in a way what what it is that you're experiencing. Right. Which was then true and helpful. I mean, it, it could be that that fleeting happiness is a is a taste of genuine which comes from that sense of temporary relief or mm. satisfaction which comes from whatever it was we were we, you know, we've, uh, we've, we've experienced which has given us the happiness but uh, yeah it does it does tend to uh, evaporate because um, we haven't recognized it's something that's still external to ourselves but um, it does give us a taste of that Can everybody on Zoom hear when Bronya is speaking? Just give us some feedback. So, what did you ask? Can you hear us all right from? David, yeah, did you hear Bronya? Yeah, I wasn't sure where it was coming from. I was looking on the Zoom screen, but there was someone in the room, was it? Yeah, so you probably can't. Um... Can't you can't see everybody unfortunately because of the camera is just a laptop. That's okay. That's not, okay. I'm just. But you heard Bronya speaking. Yeah. 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 And what I heard was um, yeah something about the you can get too much of the. There's a lag now. <laughs> oh okay. No, you're fine, David. You're coming in fine. Oh okay. Um. Yeah, something about that you can get too much of. Of a good thing or good things rings true because it's it's I don't get what you said Andrew about um, in the end that's not really it but what I heard um, Bronya say was something about distinguishing I guess between that that inner fueled or that access to what you say is naturally there as as a form of happiness versus when it's on the outside maybe it's a bit of a clue when when we start feeling that suffering again, even when we've we've got um, that thing or all those things, and we get more of that thing when we're not quite feeling happy in ourselves. That's really. I think that was a, a really lovely um, little point to to cap off the talk, which I enjoyed too. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like. For people who can accumulate, whether it's the accumulation of wealth or the accumulation of whatever it might be, it, it can actually, yeah, increase one's addiction and one's attachment to the the ongoing accumulation of wealth, so that it becomes harder and harder to actually getting get connected to our natural happiness. Well, not only that, it becomes suffering in itself. I think. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. 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 
Whereas loving kindness, say, you're not going to reach the end of loving kindness or get too oversaturated with it and become unhappy mm. from that. Yeah. We can just go forever. Yeah. yeah. I agree with the with the bird too. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Chris, did you? Want yeah, to say? I, I feel that the uh, yeah, awareness, uh, pure awareness, that you can be here with uh, beyond all of the external pulls and pushes and you know aggravation that is your you know, general life is um, a, a very ephemeral sort of thing to grasp. Um, you know, where, where does that actually reside? Where is, I mean, we've all had moments where we felt completely peaceful and uh, at home in our own skin, but usually it doesn't last that long and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're worrying about whatever's tomorrow or some aggravation is driving you crazy or <coughs> some problems really tug you here. And you've been pushed completely out of you know, awareness and a sense of, of being present and, and happy. Um, I find that as you're talking about the steadying effect of, of increasingly getting there so that you, you can reside there more often as something gradual attention and takes it away, um, you can quickly let go and come back to a, to a stable state. Happiness, perhaps. I find that, that the practice of being able to actually get there and stay there and being able to pull yourself out of you know, whatever currently is annoying you, bothering you, taking your attention, um, difficult. It is, it is difficult to extract ourselves from the, uh, the activity of the separate self. Yeah. It's really compelling and uh, very compelling. Yeah. Well, we're talking about people who, you know, you, you see it in the, the news and celebrities and things, the more they, they get and achieve and want, is the more bizarre it becomes what they actually try and, and get, I mean, their behaviour becomes bizarre and until they completely fall apart or, or create such huge suffering around them that, you know, it's, it's obvious that that doesn't work. But on a, a smaller scale, we're all doing the same thing, trying to figure out you know, how to get happy um, and just being able to come into a sense of, you know, being completely peaceful when you know, you've got somebody nagging here, you know, the boss wants something there, you've got you know, something bothering you in the back of your head that you're going to have to deal with later that was unexpected and you didn't want it. Um, very difficult. Mm. Yes, we get caught up in all of that. And uh, I use the terms, the words, uh, peace and happiness synonymously. They should be very nice. Hmm. 
Would someone from uh, one of our Zoom friends like to share? Um, yes, it's great to have constant reminders like like today's sermon. Thank you, Andrew. It's great. Um, I, I view it as like having two feet, yeah, one foot in two worlds. I think that's a bit of a cliche somewhere. We're saying, um, and you know, at the moment, I've got so many demands on myself, as you were saying, Chris, that um. You know that this thing creeps in that I'll be happy. I'll feel more happy when it's all done. Well, there's no such thing, really. <laughs> the list no. is vast. Um, <laughs> because the so, tre treadmill chasing a carrot. You know, when this is done, I'll be able to relax and be peaceful. And then well, something else bothers you. I, I focus. Yeah. Well, I focus. I try to focus on relaxing in between and and experiencing it as a journey, but it is a challenge. <laughs> so it's good, particularly at the moment. I mean, there's just a lot, lot that needs to be done: pruning, chicken in the kitchen, chicken shed, alterate. You know, it just goes on at the moment. And it won't be, I have to remind myself too, and I guess that's part of awareness, is that these eras don't always last a long time. They don't necessarily do. And the more I try to distract myself by seeking a happiness or filling, filling the cup in a different way or my cup in a different way, that um, the less time I'm going to have to actually you know, put put good energy into this and to do it with um, with heart and love um, and good awareness. So, thank you for the reminder. Okay. I used to tell my grandparents when I was growing up that I just wanted to be happy, <laughs> and. Um, and of course I did, got educated and became a teacher and became a musician and played in bands. And I love playing guitar for 50 years now because I'm quite addicted to it because it brings me into the moment. And um, when I'm playing music with other people and I feel like I'm in a zone that's not about my ego, there's something, uh, an experience that takes over mm -hmm. about being that, that's fulfilling. Um, and um, living in a, in a body as we do, we've all got to do things every day to look after our body and, and you know, do this, do that, whether we've got young families or grown up families. But it's the way you do things, I'm starting to learn more, that determines whether you can be happy in the present. Because I think true happiness of who we are is always there. But yeah, 
sometimes you've got to, a lot of the time I do work on removing the blocks to that experience and that investment that I have to do this in a certain way. I like uh, weeding the garden can be a really beautiful experience. Weeding the garden in my mind can be a really beautiful experience, particularly if I use a course of miracles. So quote, forgiveness is the key, is the key to happiness. And so if I'm weeding the garden of my mind, I try to forgive when I inevitably, frequently, nearly all the time, invest in the, the fleeting happiness that, that, that's not real and forgive myself for making those false grasping attachments that that's what brings happiness. It's actually been the blocks to happiness. Because of, yeah. I think, you know, when you're talking about the music, I think that's a common experience a lot of people report about, they call it being in the zone or in the flow, um, whether it's a sporting experience or whether it's the experience of music or whether it's the experience of being with the pot, like a, a sense in which you forget yourself in the activity. And, and that I think that does uh, definitely uh, Bring us into that open openness, which is which is peace and happiness, where we're mm. no longer sort of seeking something because we're totally here. Yeah. yeah. And, and so a lot of those um, sometimes like those like kinds of activities <coughs> can certainly uh, give us a taste of happiness, yeah, of our true happiness. But you know, when you stop playing the music, then mm. Mm. you come back to mm. you know, yeah, maybe you don't. Cooking can be good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We so, um, good. I mean, if we can, if we can extend that mm. sense of being in the zone to like. I used to say all the surface in my music classes. I really understand where you're at. You know, when you're alive, it's instantaneous brain, hand, creativity, being one with the wife. But the, the one thing they all have in common is that you're in the moment. You're yeah, there now. That's right. You know, mm. Seeking something in the future or mm. really mm. just that. Yeah, that made me think of awe as well, sort of watching enormous crashing waves or you know, any sort of natural, mm. spectacular natural phenomenon, I feel like can yeah, drop you into that sort of space yes. too, yeah. which is again it's just present thing. Definitely. Hundred percent present. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, um, I'll just go back to our Zoom friends. Anybody on Zoom want to come in? Um, I'd just like to relate to the, the music and when playing music and when um, playing with others. That's also, a, I find it's an ego. And, and you know it's an awareness of ego too of, of giving giving and taking in jam sessions that's what I love about jam jamming and then sometimes you can reach a plateau where 
there's just this communication happen musical communication happening and that's like a magic but again it can be intoxicating we've not been wrong with intoxication as long as you don't get addicted to it now yes <laughs> yes It's funny talking about music. My 91-year-old father loves classical music. Um, yeah, he's a real buff. Um, and I can go around there and he's sitting on the lounge with his hands in his lap, listening to a piece of music uh, for the umpteenth time, but he's so deeply immersed in it. And I, I, I said to him, um, you, know, you can still listen to these pieces of music and the, very, the different variations that each conductor brings to that, uh, that piece of music. And he said, yes, I can still get the hairs standing up on my arms listening to a piece of music that he said you know, umpteen times before. He must be doing him good, he's 91. He still looks after himself. Hmm. Can you pass that on to Jesse? Eh? Oh, they're both the guy. I'm chicken also build things as well. Mm -hmm. I can build this and keep it cage and come and tune it back. Yeah, the kids got the music. So I had a teacher, and I remember in year six, who took the whole class. He was, a, he was a, the principal of the, the school. He took our class into his living room and, and played classical music, and he taught us to listen to it, like to hear it, to really hear it with our bodies. I've never forgotten that. It was such a wonderful experience for an 11-year-old. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I mean, yeah, I mean, music can certainly be a window that opens us up. Um, I remember when my first year of high school in England, uh, in the music class for the first time, and uh, they put on the Gustav Holtz, the planets, and we were playing the Jupiter Suite. Oh, isn't that fantastic? That just transported me, yeah. It felt like in those kind of times in my adolescence when we, you know, experience things anew for the first time is pretty special but like you said the key is keeping it keeping it constantly alive and fresh but the jubilee street is just really transient maybe the, the vibration of music because we experience music as human beings vibrationally, mm. not just in through all the senses mm. in many ways. Maybe that's a sort of like a, a um, an echo of the truth within us. Mm. Well, I certainly think there's a close relationship mm. between aesthetics and beauty and, and truth. And, mm. Yeah, beauty is truth, truth is beauty. Because, you know, in addition to the 
physical senses of being human is part of makes makes the dream seem real. Whereas truth to happiness is beyond that, isn't it? Mm, that's right. But what do we do when we've got a, a chronic pain on back or a um, aggravation kind of, of um, or, or we're in the throes of um, having lost something that was precious to us? Can we still experience peace and happiness within? as our default position when we're going through a sense of loss or you just pain. Sing, you just sing George Harrison, some more things must pass. What do we do? I experienced a lot of... Go on, Nicola. Is that okay. me? I, I, yeah, it is me. Um, again. I, I experience a lot of physical pain in with my dear body, um, particularly when I have a lot of work to do. I'm doing a lot of physical work, and um, it's a very good question. <laughs> um, it's something to appreciate as a teacher and what it's teaching me each moment of experiencing it. That's where I prefer to sit with it. And, and it's also a learning of self-nurturing and being in that moment where, if I can, if the timeline isn't too demanding is to actually take the time out to alleviate the pain so again it's a challenge but again it's it's also a teacher that's and yeah it's yeah so it is it's the teacher to be in the moment to to be with it you know, and to embrace it as, as part of me. Mm. Yeah, great. Thank you, Pingala. It's beautiful. Mm. I think that that applies to grief too. You know, it's a challenge to be, and emotional pain, it can be a challenge to be um, with yourself, to nurture and not to escape too much. I think escapism occasionally is pretty good, but you know, <laughs> it's not a good way to reside. <laughs> In the end, don't make a habit. Don't make a habit of being alone. Yes, that's right. 